Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hasia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. Thanks for listening. Last week, we talked with the showrunners of HBO's High Maintenance, which at first was a web series. And this week, we are actually talking with another show creator who started on the interwebs and then was picked up by HBO. This week, it is Issa Rae. She is the creator of Insecure, and she's only 31, but she has gotten a lot done in her young life. In the show Insecure, she plays a slightly fictionalized version of herself. It's about her and her best friend trying to figure out who they should be dating, whether they hate their jobs enough to quit them, all sorts of those questions that happen to you in your early 30s, in your late 20s. Because adulting is hard. Because adulting is hard. And Issa Rae has done it well in her life. She's learned a lot from success and also from some failures, which she'll talk to us about, including the ABC pilot that she worked on with Shonda Rhimes that almost made it to our television sets. But you know what? Maybe it's good that it didn't because maybe we wouldn't have gotten insecure. And I'm really happy that we have insecure. Yes, we're actually going to listen to a little clip of the show. This is from the pilot and it's Issa getting ready to go out for a night out on the club on a weeknight, I might note. And she's wearing this really intense sweater dress and she's in the bathroom, like talking to herself in the bathroom mirror. Hi, I'm sexy. Let's get out of here. You're super. Oh my God, you're a music producer. Do you know Beck? I don't make love. I'll f- you want some of this f- pot pie? Pop, pop. Well, hello, Daniel. No, you drive on the wrong side of the street. Let me sprinkle some Parmesan on you. <laughs> awesome. You hungry? Hey, tiger. Mm-hmm. So stupid. Take a drink. Woo! Shut, shut. You gonna take this naughty or not? Take this naughty. Take it. It's too aggressive. We should also note that throughout this entire thing, she's like trying on different shades of lipstick. But she ends with just the Carmex, which is just like Vaseline. It's not a color. It's beautiful. It has a little bit of a smell. But yeah, there's no glitter involved. What does it smell like? It smells kind of like vanilla, I think. In any case, we love the show. It's excellent. And in our conversation with Issa, she's going to tell us why we can't all be Olivia Pope, how her new HBO show reflects her own personality, and why it's so much more interesting to have a life crisis in your 30s than it is in, like, your early 20s. So, Issa Ray, welcome to Nerdette. Well, thank you for having me. Congratulations. Very, all the congratulations. What is it your nephew says? Very big, when he's excited. Awesome, he's awesome, awesome, excited about things. Awesome, we are awesome, excited, excited about everything that's happening. <laughs> thank for you. you. That's so appropriate. Awesome, excited, insecure. That. Kids know everything. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> This is the story of Issa, who is sort of you, but not quite. And she is pretty awkward, but also just, 
I don't know. I just love that character so much. I feel like I can really relate to that feeling of just sort of like having grown up and done all the right things, but also feeling like you did everything for everyone else instead of what you actually wanted to do. That and then feeling like, did I do this wrong? Am I doing this right? Am I the only (laughs) one doing this wrong? Like, does everybody else have it figured out? So, yeah, that definitely plays a huge part. And those are questions that I constantly ask myself. And she turns 29 in the first episode, right? So a lot of it is sort of that, like, this is the end of the 20s. Should I have been doing things differently? Did I make the most of it? Am I stuck with this weird, lame boyfriend? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so many questions. (laughs) So I know this is kind of a lame question, but, like, how much of that came from your own sort of, like, culmination of your 20s looking back? I mean, it seems like you have been doing what you want for the most part, right? Yeah, I mean, I say this character is basically me if I didn't know what I wanted to do and if I made different decisions. So using that sort of essence of, of feeling like, am I doing this wrong? Like, what path can I take? What path should I have taken? And putting people that I kind of know into the series as well, but not using their lives, that's pretty much what makes up the show and its characters. People that are in my real-life world, but under fictional circumstances. Maybe it's just me because I'm 31, but I just find that 30-something crisis so much more relatable than, I don't know, like the girls straight out of college, like, what do I do with my life crisis? Just because at least then, like, you've made decisions. Yeah. I mean, you're so far removed from college at that point, and you're just like, this is real life. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm 31, too, and it's just like, now... Like, I'm kind of on my own, and I have to find my own health insurance, and I have to actually, like, work stuff out without the help of my parents and think about the future if I want to have a family and things like that. And it just feels like it all comes at you at once, which is a lot. I do think that maybe the 23 or 24-year-old version of this character on TV would have, like, quit (laughs) the job she hates instead of, like, keeping it because rent Because that's what people do. People keep their jobs. And then you also sort of know who you are by that point, too. So it's like, I know who I am, but what changes can I make to make myself happier, you know, to make sure that I'm I'm on the path that I want to be on? How can I work on the things that already exist within my life without making a completely drastic change? And that's like human nature. Nobody, well, a lot of people really don't just have the time or the tools to just do a complete overhaul. So it's like, how do I work with what I have Mm -hmm. to be better? So you got your start making web series, probably most notably for Awkward Black Girl. To what extent do you feel like Insecure is sort of like a grown-up version of that? To the extent that I grew up, you know? like I I feel like this. it was about five years ago, and I was in my um, mid-20s when Mm -hmm. I started Awkward Black Girl. And for me, just even as a body of work, we had 24 episodes online, and by the time HBO called me, to be like, do you have any other ideas? I kind of just developed this with them, with them in mind. How crazy is it to, like, have a real budget? So crazy. <laughs> and that's the big, it's just like, what? Are you kidding me? All of this goes to the show. And coming from in the indie world where you're always struggling, where you're always like, where are we going to get the money? Or how can we turn this apartment of mine into an office mm-hmm. or a nightclub because we can't <laughs> afford to rent out a nightclub. That's to probably the just... hardest to division <laughs> apartment to nightclub. Um, we've done it. No. <laughs> but yeah, like that is incredibly insane. But conversely, like I feel like there's some things that we pay for where I'm like, why are y'all paying for that? Do we really have to put money to that? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I still have indie sensibilities all day. So did you really spend $25 on your first episode of Awkward Black Girl? Yep, to take my 
best friend and my co-star to lunch at Qdoba. <laughs> oh, Qdoba. Yep, at the mall. Buddy, just get as many toppings on that burrito <laughs> yeah. as you want, y'all. You got it. Get the, the sky's guac. the limit. Get that guac. Get that extra guac. <laughs> so what do you think you learned from the experience of, you know, working a little bit with Shonda Rhimes and maybe having an ABC show and then, you know, like how different would that show have been than the one you're able to make at HBO and what do you think you learned from that experience of having that sort of not work out the way you expected. So much. Like, that show was different in that, you know, I was only writing it. I wasn't going to be in it. And, of course, it was my first foray into television. And I feel like they couldn't have been more, like, patient and just gracious and great. You know, I was working closest to Betsy Beers, who's really great with comedy. And that was a moment where I felt like, oh, this is my only chance. Like, this is my one chance and I cannot blow it. And I have to get it right. And I felt really eager to please in a way. And, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but there's, you know, the network notes and there's the studio notes under this ABC umbrella. And that doesn't mean they have to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. So they could have conflicting notes. And typically writers will be like, oh, you know, I'll listen to that and I'll get back to you and I'll figure it out. But for me, it was just like, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll make that change. Yeah, sure. I try to work it out, even though it doesn't really make sense for the story, but I got to do this right. And because I wasn't confident in my own voice and I didn't really have a foundation of the story, like it just by the time I turned in the pilot, it wasn't me. And, you know, ABC passed on it and I was kind of devastated because I felt like it was my one chance. But then a month later, HBO called and I sold the project to them. And then working with Larry Wilmore, who is a guy who's very secure in his voice and very confident, basically told me that your voice is your foundation and your story and your structure is your foundation. So if you don't have that, then your house will fall apart, which is something that took me a while to realize. Yeah, and it's, it's so trip. stupid. But I was driving in my car one day and had a revelation like, oh, my God, I'm me. And like, there's no, <laughs> nobody else is you. Like, you can only tell your story. And that gave me such a stupid like amount of confidence where it's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, that's like the whole point. That is the actually. whole point. <laughs> but I'm slow, so <laughs> it took me a while. So was there a point ever with Insecure where you weren't going to be in it? Like how different is it for you to be on the screen in such an exposed, real way? It is different. Like that, It was always with me in mind and... You know, I'm able to separate myself, like being in the writer's room and, and talking about stories and just sharing stories with each other and then putting those stories to paper. That was the process. And then it wasn't until, again, slow me that we started shooting where I was like, oh, my God, I got to execute this. I have to. <laughs> yeah, man. We wrote a sex scene and I have to do this. Oh, God, <laughs> it's getting really it's getting really real. And so. I think I disassociated myself from the sort of acting process and just had to really get in that mindset to do it. And and in that way, you know, you do feel vulnerable and you do feel like like even now seeing clips and, and having people in my life, I, I realize that people are now like, you know, analyzing like, is this is this true? What part's true? What part's not? And so that's a whole nother story. And it didn't help that I named the character Issa as opposed <laughs> to like Linda or something. Uh-huh. Linda would have been nice. <laughs> I think, too, just the very real reality of, like, your face on the screen, you know? I mean, partly, like, being in radio, you know, we're like, nope, 
no pictures. <laughs> we'll use these Lego versions of ourselves for the social medias, you know, but it's like genius. <laughs> like that's your face, you know, like that's that's intense. It is a lot. But I also feel like this generation is used to seeing their faces and mm-hmm. in a very different way. So oddly enough, the billboards like I definitely freaked out when I saw the first billboards in L.A. of just my face. But then I'm like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's kind of like a selfie. That's just that everybody sees. That's huge. Yeah, that's big. But I just try to, like, downplay it because I do feel like it's just, it is what it is Mm -hmm. at this point. But I'm very excited. Girl, you think you got it bad. Around the Corner, Issa tells us which three fictional characters are most like her. And she gives us some advice that she wishes she had gotten earlier in her own career. Girl, you think you got it Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. There was a Vanity Fair piece recently um, about you and and someone who works with you, and they called you the Leslie Nope of the duo. (laughs) And I just like, because everybody recently has been doing this describe yourself as three fictional characters thing, it made me wonder, like, do you think of yourself as a Leslie Nope or a Liz Lemon or a... Definitely a Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon, okay. I say I'm Khadijah from Living Single. Mm Mm-hmm. And a little bit of Elaine from Seinfeld. Ooh, that's those that's are good. good. Those mm-hmm. are very good. Mm-hmm. I like it. We like decided Nerdette was a Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh. Leslie No. Leslie No. Leslie No. And then Obviously. Raja, the tiger that Jasmine has in Aladdin, because she's really good at side eye and really protective of her friends. <laughs> so you can steal that one if you want, because if you want like the best side eye Disney character, it is definitely Raja. That's on point. I have not thought about Raja since I watched Aladdin. That's crazy. Yeah, see, Trisha with the nephews, I feel like like she is oh, just prime on her Disney. Yeah. I, I feel like I haven't seen it since I was the appropriate age. <laughs> No offense, Trish. <laughs> what is the non-appropriate age to watch Aladdin? I mean, I it's have to say, classic. I am excited for the Disney's to come to Netflix. There will be. I know. I know. I'm, I'm going to rewatch all of my favorites. Oh, my God. The Little Mermaid. So many. We talked a long time ago now to an author who sort of his claim to fame was writing once he was in his 30s about his high school experience. And his friends all said that, you know, if you hadn't written this down, if you hadn't sort of remembered this stuff, it would have been like it never happened. And I feel like you were just saying that, like, everybody's used to taking selfies and sort of documenting their whole lives in public now. Do you think that we're still as interested in creating a, a narrative about what we're doing? Or are we just documenting for the sake of documenting? I think a little of both. I think people, some people have very clear intentions of why they're using social media. But I feel like generations that grow up where this is all they've known are just, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. 
And it's crazy. Like, this generation of, of newborns will be able to see their whole lives on Facebook. We'll be able to look back. And, and we can do it, too, which is really scary. Like, I can be like, oh, yeah, I knew what you looked like as a baby. And I saw your parents got divorced because, you know, she posted a status <laughs> about it. It's going to be weirder to, in the dating world, I always say, like, if you meet someone in a grocery store and decide to go on a date, people are going to be like, oh, my God, but you didn't know anything about him? Like, you just <laughs> went out? You didn't get to Google him? You don't know his, like, what he likes? And that's going to be the norm? So I, I feel like people are just doing what is sort of expected and what's laid out for them with the default. And that's becoming the default. I think it's going to be so weird to be 30, 35 and have your whole life online and be documented that well. I know. And, and people are going to know your interest to the T in a weird every way. Every bad haircut and every, every like silly decision. <laughs> you can't hide from that. And even the fact that when we... This is more, but like when we die, like everything will just be laid out. Like my stupid tweets, you'll be able to see the how I was feeling that day, what my favorite food was, and that'll live on past me. So in speaking of all this new media junk that we're all trying to navigate in our 30s, mm. how much do you attribute your success to the existence of something like YouTube, though? Everything. Right? Like it is everything. And it really just comes from... A genuine love for the social media, too. Like, when Facebook came out, I immediately embraced it. And it's also because I started off, as you ladies know, just on the Internet, you know, when I was 10. And killing America Online and making different personalities. and Catfishing before. Cat with that right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I loved that part of the book. <laughs> I love that. And I love just talking to strangers and communicating with Internet friends. And so when Facebook came out, it was just natural And then I was trying to break into screenplays and script writing in in the traditional way and just found Facebook and YouTube as a way to just share it with an existing audience, people who were just like, yeah, I'll watch this. And so that changed the game for me, but it, it came from actually liking to do that kind of stuff. You've said that one of the things you think is really important is not just to make it so that there's more people and more kinds of stories being shown on screen, but that the people making them behind the scenes also evolve and that that is still maybe even more of a boys club and even more of a sort sure. of you know a homogeneous group of people in Hollywood than even what we see on camera now is what's still happening behind the camera completely I think that they're just they're always able to use the excuse of like experience in a way and it's that age-old thing where how are they going to get experience if you don't hire them in the first place and then some of them are even able to join unions because they don't have enough hours and unions are everything in Hollywood so you have people like there was an AD that we work with frequently on our independent projects who just is awesome and kills the game. And to be able to work on the show because he didn't have enough hours to be in the union because we're an independent show and he can clearly he's clearly qualified. So he had to go to be able to get into the union as a PA level, just give up what he knew and work as a PA to be able to get those hours to ultimately work as an AD. But those are the things that you have to be willing to do and you kind of have to be active about being like, well, because I want an inclusive crew, I'm going to take those steps and I'm going to go fi- actively find and actively interview because it's so easy to just be like, I'm going to go with who I know. And they have a track record. So let's just continue this pattern. It's like some schools let you use life experience for credit. It's like you need some version of that right? for people who've come up in YouTube and come up online who haven't spent their career sort of working. Not that it didn't take work to go from like A to B to C within sort of the game that's set up already. That's but for genius. people who came out from YouTube or from indie film or from whatever 
Like, college credit for life experience. That's patent that shit. Right. That's true, though. That's really true because you're literally doing the same thing. And sometimes it's even harder because your resources are way more limited. Because mm-hmm. you're so making you an apartment do... a club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Exactly. So I think there's so much to say, too, for that idea of hustle. You know, I mm-hmm. think so many of us are trained to just behave well and wait around for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, you're good enough to yeah. go to the next step, as opposed to just being like, you know what, I'm going to make this thing and see what happens. Right. I mean, that's part of the, I think, drive of this generation, too, in a sense, because we're sort of making something out of nothing. We're making a lot out of nothing. And there's just so many ways to be able to do that now. And there's kind of no excuse. If you pictured yourself kind of as Awkward Black Girl is really starting to do well four or five years ago, what's the advice that you wish you had gotten then that you've gotten now as you are sort of in this like grown up version doing the HBO thing? Woo. I mean, early on, it's for me, the biggest lesson that I've learned that I wish I had known then is valuing people way more in that I've been blessed enough to have great people working around me. And sometimes you get so focused in your own vision that you don't realize, like, they have a plan for themselves, too. Like, if there's a producer, he or she may want to have their have goals of their own, obviously. If there are other writers that are work, you're working with you, they have goals. So it's just to make sure to check in and uh, be sure that everybody is sort of getting what they want and that it's not just all about you. And I kind of got lost in that, like, oh, this series has to do well initially and didn't necessarily check in to be like, okay, are you on the path that you need to be on? Are we all growing together? And so now I'm, I'm just way more conscious about valuing people's time and just making sure that we're all getting to where we want to go. That's like leadership skill stuff. It is leadership skill stuff. And you don't really go into, I didn't go into this trying to be a leader. You don't realize that that kind of just falls on your lap and you have to just be ready for it. You could be anywhere now you see In a minute, homework from Issa Rae. You can do anything, see what the future brings. Now that you're all alone, have a life of your own. All right, so since the nerds listening <laughs> love homework, what is your homework for the Nerd Eye listener? My homework is god dang it is it terrible that one of my favorite things is when people just have no idea what to say this is just just putting you on the spot i'm trying to think of some examples for you now of what other people i mean it can be anything it can be like read these books i'm obsessed with while i'm on my weird tour or like here's a youtube video that made my day better or like yeah like a music video yeah there's one that i'm thinking of but it's just not appropriate in any way (laughs) What is it? There's this video that I say is responsible for my internet roots. Ooh. In a way. Just because. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this video called I'm Selling I Ain't Gotta Rap. (laughs) And it's like three prostitutes basically talking about their profession. And they made an internet video together. And it was the most unifying thing I had seen because, you know, it's hard on those streets. And they are, like, glorifying their profession in such a way that I'm like, you know what? This is dope. And they came together and made a bootleg video 
And I can kind of do that too. You don't need resources. And it's also just really funny. So that's, I feel like people should go watch that video. That's really good homework. That's really good homework. I feel homework. like that's, that's totally appropriate. <laughs> it works. <laughs> can I say one more other one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, Bernice McFadden is just such a dope author, and I've been obsessed with her books for a very long time. And she's like, she writes books that are, that are fiction, but just feel like nonfiction, and I love nonfiction. So it's just the perfect balance of good storytelling. So check out her books. Where should we start if we haven't read any Bernice McFadden? If you haven't read any Bernice McFadden, I think Gathering of Waters is a good start. It's just about like a family living in Louisiana and living in the South. And especially with American Crime Story coming up with Hurricane Katrina, that's it's prime reading. Cool. That sounds good. Excellent homework. Thank Issa you. Ray, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, he got pound fair. Hey, you got brick fair. What is some selling to this? So who got click fair? Okay, so read Bernice McFadden and watch this amazing music video called I'm Selling P***y So I Ain't Gotta Rap. I have to say, I started watching it while at work here at WBZ. Not safe for work. You know, I did, I figured I could still listen to it. And I found it very delightful. But yeah, definitely not safe for work in case the title wasn't clear enough on that one. And of course, your other homework is to watch Insecure on HBO. It's a great show. You can go back and watch the web series that inspired it. Also, that still lives online. And you the can, beauty of the internet. Yes, indeed. And you can read Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. It's going to make you laugh out loud. Lol. Lol. And we also have some extra bonus social media interwebs homework this week. Yes. So this is a question that I love that hat tip to Melody Kramer, who you can follow on the internet for all kinds of inspiring, interesting things that she does. She was on Nerdette many, many moons ago. So we'll put a link to that episode with Melody Kramer out on social media, too, so that you can listen back and hear what she's all about. But one of the things she does that I love is she asks people online about once a week, how were you brave this week? And it's a question I've been thinking about a lot as I think about people like Issa Rae who are just doing so much and it's all about hustle for them and finding ways to make their creative dreams come true. And it can be something that feels really big or something that was really a small moment, but that you want to recognize. So we want to hear from all of you, dear listeners, about how you were brave this week. But I think it's only fair, Greta, if we offer up a moment of bravery from this week ourselves. Okay, should I start? Yeah. It's not very good, but I I was brave this week by cohabitating with a vicious cat. You do that every week, I but know. it's worth it recognizing. It is consistent bravery on my part. If that I cat is a so. monster. <laughs> He's pretty awful. Okay, my bravery this week did not happen in a home with a monstrous cat. <laughs> Mine was more workplace related. I would say that there was a meeting at work this week where there was a moment where I wasn't sure if everyone else in the room knew the answer to the question and I was going to sound dumb for asking. Mm. And I could have just let it sort of slide by, but I stopped and I asked what I was worried maybe was a dumb question. And it turns out it was kind of an important question because other people hadn't thought of it either. And if we hadn't thought of it, it would have sort of tripped up a project we were working on. So... That was my moment of bravery this week, was to not be afraid to ask a kind of potentially dumb question. Turns out it wasn't. That's a really good one. That's better than the cat. But no, but the cat is serious. Well, let's not quantify our braveries. 
Tell us how you were brave this week. Tweet at us. Send us an email. You can even record yourself and send us an email from a voice memo on your phone if you want. We may talk about some of your moments of bravery next week. So listen back to hear how all of you Nerdette listeners were brave. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Joe Dassault and Justin Bolt. Our intern is Annie Newen, and our executive producer is Joel Meyer. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or follow us on NPR One. Thank you for listening wherever and however you are. If you want to join the Extra Credit Club one more time, give us some stars on iTunes. We are so grateful when folks do that. It helps us spread the good word about Nerdette. And if you give us those five stars, you will be in the fine company of Bear Boast. That's bear like the animal, not like <laughs> without clothes. Bear Boast has just started listening to Nerdette. Hi! Thanks for listening. Hey, Bear Boast. Do you think maybe it's Bear Boast? I don't know. Bear Boast. Bear Boast. It's like a Russian sort of feeling. <laughs> Bear Boast. Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you for the stars, Bear Boast. You too, dear listener, can give us stars on the iTunes. We would be grateful. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast. We also have a weekly newsletter that is kind of fun. We put links to all our favorite things from the internet. We tell you a little bit about what's coming up on the show. We only bother you once a week, we promise. It is fun. You can actually find a link to sign up for that on our website, nerdatpodcast.com. Nerdat is a production of WBEZ Chicago, where you can find podcasts for nerds of all stripes. Find out more at wbez.org. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.